Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of November 2010. I always suggest at the start of the show, I get out of the way at the very beginning, that you go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the, the audios that are up there for download free. And remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't take on the advertisers I could and be rid of a lot of my worries for sure. And I might just do it, yeah, the way things are going. But it's up to you if you want to have us of an independent source here who can speak on other topics outside of the advertising and so on. It's up to you to, to keep me going. The ads you hear in this show, remember, uh, support RBN. They pay for the airtime. They pay for the staff, their equipments, and their bills. So you help me out with mine and go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, see the books I've got for sale and the discs and so on. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can order using a personal check. You can also order from the U.S. to Canada with an international postal money order. PayPal is also good for ordering or donating. You'll see the donation button there, send the appropriate donation, and the price list is all marked down there, of course, if you go into the site, and followed up by a, an email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world, with Western Union at the top, which is expensive, MoneyGram, which is less expensive, and MoneyGram check, which you can, you can just ask them for a check in Canadian dollars and send it to Canada. It takes about a week to get here. That saves you a lot of cash. It's cheaper than wiring. As I say, PayPal is the option too. It's much easier and faster for most folk these days. And I'm sure it's the way it's all going to go is, is cashless. So is the big boys. You can watch every penny that you bring in and what you put out. And they can balance it too and ask where those extra pennies came from that you haven't declared. Because that's really what it's all for a controlled society where the public don't even think about being controlled. Like Charles Galton Darwin said, he says we're bringing in a more sophisticated form of slavery, meaning the public would be unaware of it, and that's exactly what you're really in, whether you know it or not. So support me, buy the products and so on, the, the books, and uh, hopefully we can go on for a bit, little bit longer. We'll wait and see. Now, I get silly emails coming in. Uh, sometimes they're from young people too, then it's not so silly because they've grown up since uh, a good part of their lives anyway, since 9-11, and they think it's always kind of been like this. The world's always had terrorism everywhere, and everyone's been searched and so on uh, through from school onwards. They've been trained from school onwards, getting them ready for this system. And that's why they were doing it back in the 90s as well in schools, getting them used to the system that was to come. Because after all, they're going to grow into adulthood thinking it's all quite natural for Big Brother to be, you know, going into your pockets for your own safety. And that literally is, is how they're trained. But one of them asked me, what is the new world order and why don't they just run, run ahead with it? Well, you've got to understand your history. And when you're young and impetuous, you don't want to get down to the boring books to find out the big institutions that have already created your past and are creating your present, you're living in the present that they designed a long time ago. 
and they've already decided decided what kind of future they're going to bring you into as well. That's all. It's all done in advance, like a big corporation does today. They'll have investment plans for 50, 80, 100 years in the future. That's how they work things out. Same with foundations. The foundations don't change with the times. They sit with a mandate, and they hire, retire, and hire and retire for generations until they accomplish what they were set up to do. That's why in the 1700s, certain people like Weishaupt talked about foundations will eventually replace the governments in a sense, and there'll be charitable organizations. That's the guys they always go under. These multi-trillion dollar charitable organizations. Back with more after this. Folks, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the youth, basically, and how since 9-11 they've been brought up. Some of them are really getting on with. They were 10 then at that time. Uh, they're now 20 or 19 or 20. And what you've got really are people who think it's always been this way. And if you were growing up in the same era and eventually started getting off the comics and reading the news, you'd think so too. You would really think so too. And as I say, they're already conditioned to searches from school onwards, uh, get, getting watch coming through the gates uh, or their, their metal detectors and all that kind of stuff, having their lockers raided under the pretext of drugs and all that. So uh, they're used to it. They've been trained because you always train a generation that's going to outlast the older generation in the new system. That's the old communist method. And of course, the communists were never really communists, were funded by the West all that time, in fact. Still are, in fact, and they have different names today, of course, because we call it communitarianism. But it's quite fascinating, as I say, how everyone is trained in their own time for what they will experience in their lifetime. And it's interesting, too, to, to get so many emails coming in from people from all over the world, experience from the, the old... Um, first world countries that are now experiencing all the, the deindustrialization it's gone long ago to China they don't know how it happened, people float they float through life really and they do, we're all trained this way from birth, they, we, we're trained not to really think or discern or ask the questions, we're taught really to not even be involved in what's happening in the big world and why things are really affecting us the way they are and why people get worried and why jobs just simply go and it's harder to find jobs. It's quite normal now for youngsters to apply to hundreds of places for service jobs. Service jobs and stocking shelves or, and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that was talked about in Britain back in the, the 60s and 70s, in fact, when they started announcing there, because Britain was way ahead of them in this world deindustrialization for moving it all to China. Uh, they'd signed an agreement in 1948 to do so. And uh, never told the public, of course. And they were talking then about having to, you probably have many, many jobs in your lifetime. Whereas before, in your parents' generation, they used to have a job for life, really. And there were so many factories and different uh, occupations uh, for them all to go in. And, uh, of course, that's all changed now, too. Now we have the welfare state, which, which is, of course, planned in advance as well. And all the left-wing groups were, were pushed 
and pushed and funded the push for the welfare state because they had to bring it in because it, there would be no work for the public, for an awful lot of the public. I mean, prime ministers came on British television years ago and told the public that there's going to be a generation who will never see work in their lifetime, so get used to it. I mean, I mean how much do we really need here? So the future is always planned, you see, and the big movements are created. Uh, they start off as ripples and they become big waves, and then, of course, the government pretends to simply uh, acquiesce to their demands and put in what they plan to do all along to keep some kind of system going as they amalgamate you into this new world order. The new world order, remember, was talked about by Karl Marx in the 1800s when he talked about separate trading blocks that used to be uh, used to be separate little countries all amalgamated together into regions. And they'd have a kind of parliament-type uh, form of governments, but they would be subservient to a world government. And that's what you're seeing all over the world today, have been for a long time, in fact, starting with the, the very obvious one, the European Union, something that lied its way to its very conclusion by always denying that they were integrating the countries culturally and economically and every other way uh, into a super parliament. And some people came out at the end when they kind of wisened up to it and tried to pull, pull the UK back out of it. And some of them simply died very quickly of very fast-acting cancers. Like, sir, I think it was James Goldsmith was one of them. Because he realized that the big thing was a lie. See, they go under the same principles as the United Nations, the reason being that the free trade negotiations for North America, for Europe, and for, for the whole of Africa, and all these countries are amalgamating, and APEC countries as well, uh, were all set up by the one institution who also set up the United Nations for this very system to come into being. And remember, too, the Royal Institute of International Affairs was founded with the amalgamation of two of of, of uh, the, the, some people think they're separate organizations, but they weren't. They were specialist organizations coming together. They'd already done their parts, and they're moving together to form the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And one was the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. And Rhodes was more of a front man because Lord Rothschild put up the money. And, of course, it was the offspring, the, the sons of the bankers who formed their, their cutting-edge teams they went across the world first to grab up resources of the world. That was one part of it. Another part was to create a, for a bigger world empire of Britain, and then America was to take over uh, with the funding of the rest of it into this global empire. So Britain and its empire was to be used as the embryo, as they say in their own books. And that's how it was based. That's why, as I say, the United Nations has basically the same charter, pretending that you can keep your sovereign status as you amalgamate, which is an utter lie. And, uh, and it's been proven already, of course, with the EU parliament, dictating down from the top to the public, and even saying that it's heresy to question. Heresy is a term that they used from the top of the European Parliament to question it in any way, shape, or form. So it's not a democracy, as, as people think of a democracy, not that we've ever really had one, but um, it certainly is more authoritarian, and that's exactly what it was set up to be. And remember, the, the Club of Rome has had a big hand in this, a big top think tank, that spawned off other think tanks, all works with them. You always get one major branch coming off and then spawning a whole bunch of branches underneath it at various world meetings. And they're very, they're very 
their stickers in the mud for formula. They never change their formula. So wherever they have their first major meeting of a new branch, that becomes basically the meeting of Cairo or the meeting of wherever it happens to be held, and they stick to this formula. But these are world agreements they're coming to for the future. And in these agreements, uh, they, they might take 15 years to, from the initial agreements to update them every year, two years, and so on, until they reach their goal. This is the reason, getting back to the young person who asked me about why don't they just take it the whole world over now, they can do it, and so on. And the reason is because they must always prepare ahead for the new revolution. Everything you're living through is a revolution. Most revolutions are bloodless. Not them all, but most are bloodless. They're cultural. They're, 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 they're sociological revolutions. And, of course, people who follow them generally never benefit themselves. Or if they do think they're benefiting, they're getting shafted in another direction. That's literally how it works. That's literally how it works. Use the fools, the willing fools, as they're called, and um, down the road they perish, basically. Because uh, for everything they think they're winning, they're losing more and more and more all the time. Even their ability to be independent and survive independently, and I mean right down to just eating. Because the system that's coming in is to be an authoritarian society, and it is an authoritarian society, if people haven't noticed already. Especially since 9-11, they need a war scenario to rush the plans through. Generally, they're happy to do it step by step and by step, and train whole herds of people into the new system without them asking any questions whatsoever. And they have trained the public so well that they will not ask the questions unless the media tells them to worry about something and really think about it and and panics them into doing something, at least asking the questions. Otherwise, you see, you're trained that experts are taking care of the world for you and you don't have to worry your pretty little head. Go out and get your little hamburger flipping job and play. Just play and everything else will be taken care of by the great society, as you call it. Now, someone also emailed in who, uh, from Spain and said that um, I shouldn't knock the, the zeitgeist movement and stuff like that. Well, you see, anyone who, who is pushing a utopia, is, there's nothing new about utopias, and you better go into your history of utopias. Because they get great movements moving and I mean the bankers at the top of it. Great movements going, and um, and they promote these things. They, they promote what often seems to be their opposition for a new way. But at the end of utopias, you end up generally with slaughters and mayhem and chaos, and then the big system comes in again and gives itself even more power to deal with the chaos. Because unless human nature changes itself, and here's a key factor in all this, then a utopia could not happen. And if you had society changing, how would it be changed? Because, you see, we have free will. And there you have to go into the whole question of what is free will? Uh, I've already mentioned that some some authors and some people who work with uh, the NSA and so on, like Joseph Delgado, said that mankind shouldn't have the right to decide for himself what he wants to do. So what was he meaning? Well, to bring in their utopia, you'd have to be brain-chipped. You couldn't be you anymore, obviously. You couldn't make a choice 
in anything, obviously. And you'd have to be monitored 24 hours a day if you even had a modicum of free will, because a free will would give you the right to choose, should I break this law or not break this law? As societies we, we see that we live in today, criminals are criminals. There are, I'm not talking about the ones who are bound into the slammer for petty stuff. I'm talking about the, the criminal mind itself. They'll always exist. The recidivists and so on, they keep coming back into prison for the same kinds of offences. And what's going to change them in this great utopia? Who's policing them? Well, you need police. Well, you simply brain chip them. Well, all that would have to come in. Because you can't have this wonderful controlled utopia unless you can control men and women themselves. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix Just talking about some emails I got Because there's not much news really If you notice, there's not much news going on right now And I'll touch on that later As to why I think that's happening But, you know, utopias are something we should be terrified of Because that's how the communists were sold it And once they had their socialist systems in Then the Bolsheviks literally had a coup in the middle of the night And slaughtered all their enemies And, and took over and gave them 70-odd years of hell. Always think of that. Always, always think of that. But as you see, most revolutions, too, are planned. They're planned. If it's not planned, it's a rebellion. And a rebellion is, is not really of worry to most governments in any time because they can generally handle rebellions. And they just call them the mob, the mob who are unorganized. But true revolutions have taken long, long years and years and to plan and to pull off. Years of planning. And it's not a matter either of, of handing around the tin cups and asking for donations to get you all ready for it. They get funded by the big boys who plan to take over and run this proxy under some other name and a front, of course. Because communism was made up of fronts, if you again go into your history. Many, many, hundreds and hundreds of fronts, even in the West, hundreds of fronts. Many names, even Christian ones were suckered into it. But if you go into the histories of, of the various utopias, look at the one they formed in the U.S., and, a, and a, it was by Owen, I believe it was, he came over from England, and that was a, one of the, the main starts of the utopian idea. It's an old idea, of course, but uh, it, something that doesn't die away from idealists, and idealists to scare you. True idealists should terrify you when they end up getting power because they end up being ruthless. They have to kill everybody who objects to, to their ideal. They don't like their, their bubble getting pierced whatsoever. And as I say, these utopias have all these different uh, uh, ideals they want to achieve. Now, the Stalinist and, and the Leninist uh, idea was way ahead of the others because they recognized the various uh, aspects of humanity itself. They were way ahead in sociology and behaviorism before they even created the Bolshevik group. They understood this because man's been studied for thousands of years. 
and they knew that themselves to bring in this organized, ordered society. They'd used behaviorism. They tried drugs and massive experiments in different areas within the Soviet Union. And they, they literally, who knows how many thousands of people, literally had their skulls opened and they were experimented on with electrodes on the brain itself to find out how every part of the brain functioned, why it functioned, what it, what it did, and all the rest of it. Thousands, and they were just left to die. All in the name of science, of course, which uh, apparently is part of what we call progress. And, as I say, until man, and he knew this in the, in the, in the, the communist ideal, until man was changed himself, and yet there's only two ways you can do it. One is to control him directly through a brain chip, something that we control through brain chipping, which is an old idea. An old idea. I remember Huxley was talking about the wires they used back in the 50s in Tavistock Institute in England, in London. And that turned Huxley on, actually got rather animated when he talked about the wonderful things that science could do to mentally ill people. And that's who they were experimenting on in Britain. But I'm sure they also use other people who are not quite so mentally ill, if at all, to control their behavior and get them to, just like Delgado did too, insert electrodes with wires, and then electrodes without wires, as Delgado did, and demonstrated up on, I think it's Google or YouTube, if you want to see it, with the bull charging, and he stops in his tracks, very pleased with himself, as he, as he just punches this little box in his hands, and it stops dead in its tracks. Well, they could do the same with human humans a long, long time ago. And, of course, to bring in utopia, you'd have to have something that would literally, and this has been discussed, by the way, literally um, control people and the debates that they've had. Many debates that they've had is how much freedom should you give people, if any at all. And many discussions, world discussions, have been laid out on this, including the ones they have at Loyola University every year kicked off by Newt Gingrich to do with implantation of brain chips and they started the first one I think in the year 2000 and uh, they turned out 600 odd pages then pulled it from the university site and I do have the disc somewhere if I could just find the thing anyway uh, the one that they left uh, for available is, is much more condensed and small but these were the top uh, bioengineers in the work on the planets that talked at this meeting, and they said they could do it then. They just have to get the public ready for it. And that's what I mean by preparation for revolutions. You've got to have lots of preparation. You prepare the public's minds for the next step. And the public will go through it, the preparation not even knowing they're getting prepared. And a simple example is, is you've noticed recently in the little bit of news you're getting from other countries about America... <laughs> such as at Mumbai, and Obama giving the talk about America's not a first world country anymore, it doesn't have the power and all that kind of stuff. That's to get the public ready, little by little, to fit in down the hill somewhere, because the U.S. is funded, as I've said for years, they've funded all the other countries up to a higher standard of living. They're still funding through their tax money and the distribution of wealth, as it's now called. Their government takes off you to put across the world. They're still doing it. And at the end of it, you'll be part of the global plantation. Mission accomplished. And people will never know how they got there. Back with more after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, just touching on utopias and the whole like, concept of it too, and how it ties in totally with communitarianism, as they're calling it today. And communitarianism isn't some fly-by-night thing, that's to be the way of the future. It's been decided at top think tanks and by top institutes who funded it, and governments have signed on to the idea. And it'll be brought in, it's already been brought in in Britain, and in America and other countries will be brought in in a quieter way. With, until you're in it, you don't even realize how you got there. That's the beauty of it, of being able to use mass behaviorism on everyone and train the youngsters uh, into a different reality as they're doing it. The older folk are too well entertained or too burned out with struggling and worrying to really take much notice of anything. And that's just the way it's done. It's part of the technique, isn't it? But the other way of, of controlling humanity outside of the simple brain chip and it is simple today because they have it ready. And they have talked about regional computers, regional computers which will send signals to you and you'll hear a, a, a whispering of all the different voices going through your head. Like much like a schizophrenic must, must have it in a nightmare. And that would be the communications between the, the, the people receiving and transmitting back to the central computers. And they also said at the Loyola meeting there'd be no such thing as the individual anymore. It would be impossible to even perceive of yourself as a distinct, separate individual. The, when the, the scientists said, think of it more like the hive, like the hive mind, what you saw with the Borg in Star Trek. Everything you saw on television was predictive programming, getting you ready for something without you even knowing it. So it's familiar to you, and you don't object when it comes in. It seems kind of natural somehow. Well, I guess it had to happen. But really? No, it's because you were programmed to come to that conclusion and do nothing about it when it does happen. So that's one way. The other way, of course, is to do with genetics, and that's why the big push and incredible funding went into genetics. You have to go into the writings of the early 1900s, at least, to find out the big pushes of the big movements there that were funded by bankers, and one of them was a push towards contraception. Uh, because, you see, they're based on eugenics. The whole idea is to cut down populations, and then through genetics, they will remake humanity. That's the other way of, of controlling society. Remakes humanity. Take out all the genes that might make you a bit too independent, meaning you'll be, you might be argumentative, you might ask questions, you might say, no, I don't fancy going along with that. And so you simply remove them. And this, again, was even shown in, in the old sci-fi movies and stuff like that, called genetic enhancement, when they actually make you more placid, malleable, and docile. Uh, again, the utopiast master's dreams, because there's always a master class in utopias who have to guide everybody else as they're supposedly going around in their nice little cars having fun inside their, their closed-up cities with no crime and so on because they can't have a bad thought, can they? And, you know, you tie that in, and I've gone, I've done so many talks on eugenics over the years and the histories of it, but the talk I gave the other night there, and I just touched on the Galton Institute, which used to be called the British Eugenics Society, which was tied in with the Rockefeller Foundation and the Cold Spring Harbor experiments they did in the U.S., all combined. 
and how the top ones in the United Nations, the UNICEF and so on, the ones who decided what kind of curriculums and uh, society the youngsters were going to have uh, by altering the youngsters themselves through brainwashing, basically called education, which is just indoctrination, uh, was Huxley's brother, Julian, and he also was a member of that particular society in eugenics. So the big rush was on to find out all the flaws in the, the, the perfect human what they really meant by that was the perfect uh, subject, because it already decided, and Galton Darwin, uh, Charles Galton Darwin wrote in his own book, that we, the, the elite, mustn't alter ourselves. Because, you see, you need all your capacities for survival if you're steering the planet, your, your, your spaceship Earth, basically. Whereas the public wouldn't need it because the state would be making all their decisions for them. Well, guess what? You're here, folks. You're already here. And they can cry all they want about democracies. I haven't seen anyone yet where the, where the true people are, are, are ever listened to and the public goes along to give them the will of the people. It's only with big organized groups. Something else that they talked about at the beginning of democracy, they said that they would simply create their own kind of democracy, meaning the big boys themselves, by financing the proper movements, which are now called non-governmental organizations. So those with the biggest movements would be listened to. That's democracy. That's how they define it. And if you're a minority of one, then tough cheese. Nothing for you. See, it's for the greater good, they call it too, the greater good. So getting back to genetic enhancement by removing genes which might make you a little bit more intelligent, maybe too intelligent for your class, because you will have classes, absolutely. They've talked about that too. Because there must be a ruling class, you see, and there must be division of labor. And if you've got a really high IQ, you might sort of dig in your, your, your heels about getting put into a field with a spade and a shovel and a pickaxe. So no working your way up to anything there once it's all said and done. Genetic enhancement and genetic modification. And they go under the guise of to help the sick and the weak, you see. We can stop all these nasty genes that sometimes become dominant and, and match the, the, the matching genes with the, with the sperm and the ovum and give you a dominant gene combination, which brings out Huntington's career and stuff like that. Now, these things are very rare. But why, so why is all society to go through a screening process? Because that's what's coming up. They always use the same baloney, you know. They don't give a darn about the disabled and so on. The United Nations has said itself, the ideal global citizen is a producer and a consumer. That's at the same time, obviously. When you're retired, you're a consumer. You're not producing into the great society. And when you're disabled, same thing again. You don't give a darn about them. And part of the whole concept and philosophy, of course, of eugenics was to eliminate, as we've seen happen in the Soviet Union and then followed by Hitler's Germany, the weak and infirm and mentally ill. And those who may have hereditary problems, may have, is the key. In other words, no chances at all taken. Just kill them all. You better think about these things. And the general population, as I say, have no idea of the big movements that really manipulate and shape the world they live in. I mean, right down to your local area. They have no idea, because the media is not there to tell you about it. The media is there to keep you amused, distracted, and getting angry about all the wrong things. 
That's their job. That's what's called the media in the middle. They're the, the middlemen. Anyway, there's an article here too which kind of ties in with this this whole like, utopic idea for the ruling class or the dominant minority as you prefer to call it. And if those who have seen the movie THX 1138 um, would probably see this dismal future where folk are forced to live underground and slave their whole lives away. They're kept on pharmacology, exactly like Huxley and other ones talked about. And they were their blood and their urine and everything else was monitored 24 hours a day to make sure they kept taking their proper medications. If they started to wake up into reality and question something, uh, it was immediately diagnosed and the pill was prescribed and they knew if they'd taken it or not. That was the future, another utopia. And it also had, by the way, a scientific elite and a dominant minority above that. Exactly. This is the same, same stuff going all the way back to Plato and his Republic with his guardian class and the helping class. And then specialist class, and then all the its down below, which were the common people. He called them its, by the way. Nothing's changed. You'll hear the terms with the great unwashed masses. It's still the same thing. So this, this article here it says, A pharmaceutical company plans to seek regulatory approval within 18 months for a pioneering tablet as a pill containing an embedded microchip bringing the concept of smart pill technology a step closer. Now, we've been reading about it for quite a few years, so we knew it was coming. And the other ones who knew the part of the agenda already knew, like myself. The initial program will use one of Swiss firm's Novartis AG-established drugs taken by transplant patients to avoid organ rejection. So there's, there's your reason that they're going to put this in every medication there is. Now, I'll read the, the beginning of it because it tells you right there. The initial program, that's your key to it all will use one of Swiss firms Novartis AG established drugs taken by transplant patients to avoid organ rejection. But Trevor Mundell, or Mandel, global head of development, he's a man in the world with a name like that, believes the concept can be applied to many other pills. It means all of them, folks. Pharma has to do a big part in creating this wonderful quiet utopia. It says we're taking forward this transplant drug with a chip and we hope within the next 18 months to have something they'll be able to submit to the regulators, at least in Europe, Mundell told, told the Reuters Health Summit in New York. Reuters Health Summit. In New- the guys that bring you the news hosted the Health Summit. Huh? Reuters. The Reuters, I call it. They route all the news to all the papers and all the media. They're the main one they all follow. It tells them what all is okay to talk about and what's taboo. Anyway, he says... I see the promise as going much beyond that, he added. Novartis agreed in January to spend 24 million US dollars to secure access to chip in a pill technology and developed by privately owned Proteus Biomedical of Redwood City, California, putting it ahead of its rivals. The biotech startup Ingestible Chips are activated by stomach acid and send information to a small patch worn on the patient's skin, which can transmit data. Listen to this now for the harder thinking. To a smartphone or send it over the internet to a doctor. See, they're already getting used to the idea through predictive programming. Because when they first came out with this kind of stuff, they would say, oh, we'll send it to the doctor. But now it says transmit data to a smartphone. I mean, everyone can get access to it if they want to. Or send it over the internet to a doctor. 
Now, let's go on a step further. And you know this will come. You won't need a, a little patch worn on the skin. It'll be embedded in your little phone there. Or a little watch you wear that connects to your phone. I'm sure they've already got them ready to go in China. Mundell said the initial project was focused on ensuring that patients took drugs at the right time and got the dose they needed. They really care. Can you imagine, can you imagine, um, if you're wandering around and you're out of a hospital and you've had a major operation, how successful was it, was it when you know you've had a major life-saving operation, like a transplant, and you forget to take your pills? Maybe your brain's been affected with anesthesia or something. Yeah? So anyway, it says here, uh, longer term, he hopes to expand the smart pill concept to other types of medicine. That's a lot, folks. And use a wealth of biometric information the protease chip can collect from heart rate and temperature to body movement to check that drugs are working properly. Because the Chinese chips are, the Chinese chips are added to existing drugs, Novartis does not expect to have to conduct full-scale clinical trials to prove the new products work. In other words, they're bypassing all the, the regulatory forces. Not that they are regulatory. I watched a, a documentary on uh, the FDA, who was called in about all the, 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 the um, bisphenol A's and phthalates that they're using and plastic and the effects on humans. And the head of the FDA said, the, 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 an inquiry, this is an inquiry for the government, he said, oh, we, we, go, we go by the manufacturer's own tests and statistics and all their information. They never get an independent to do an inquiry into anything. Everything is up front, isn't it? I so said the bigger issue may be what checks should be put in place. And by the way, that means too uh, to do so, uh, so-called bioequivalence tests to show they're the same as the original. That's how they get bypass. That's how they bypass any testing. They do it through computer simulations, as a previous drug. A bigger issue may be what checks should be put in place to protect patients' personal medical data. Oh yeah, right. Like everybody's got privacy today, right? As it's transmitted from inside their bodies by wireless and Bluetooth. It's amazing how it all worked together, right? Eh? Isn't it? Isn't it amazing how everything's already designed to work together, eh? The Internet of Things. Eh? The regulators like, like the, all like the concept and have been very encouraging, but they want to understand how we're going to solve the data privacy issues. That's rubbish, anyway. See, we're all going to get this eventually. For peace, you see, peace can only be achieved when there's no free will. You couldn't commit a crime even if you had briefly thought about it. In fact, the briefly thinking about it will be checked to see if you're a daydream or, or what it is, or a fantasy. And then they'll come and get you. You know, pre-crime arrest, they call it. They actually call it that today, pre-crime arrest, since 9-11. Kind of minority report thing. Well, you have to wait a crime yet, but we've been studying you, and we think you're gonna, given the right circumstances. And what is a crime any? It's what, it's what a crime is whatever the government decides then is a crime. It's just law. Anything can be made illegal. Anything which is normal now can be made illegal tomorrow. And there's lots of instances in the past where that's already happened. So there you go. THX 1138. And of course, that just happened to come out of the blue. Uh, and someone made his career off it. He just happened to hit the right, you know, the right little story to make the movie on. And, and just saved up the pennies and all that nonsense to tell you of how 
he managed to put it together in a movie which was a smashing success for the big boys. And when the ordinary folk just enjoyed it, and yeah, okay, what's next do? And chewed their bubble gum, and then looked for the next car chase. Because that's how we're trained, you see. Now, there's a caller there. It's um, Mark from Wisconsin. Are you there? Hello. Hello. It's, uh, it's unwashed Mark from Wisconsin. How are you, comrade? Not so bad. I'm just uh, thinking about washing off myself after this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was. did I ever tell you I used to run a uh, Patriot FM radio station? No, I don't. Th- uh, maybe you did. I can't remember now. Uh, I used to play marathons at you on the weekend, but... Hey, I discovered like upwards of 80% of the hosts are uh, seem to be government plants in the Patriot community. Well, did you hear that show I did on uh, Sunstein? I've heard every show you've done, Alan. Uh huh. Sunstein has a massive group funded by the government, of course, been at this for years to infiltrate all movements, especially the Patriot movements, and even take years to build up credibility with different people who will then eventually, through forums and discussion groups and all the rest of it and various topics, will make you uh, wonder what you're involved in when you lose all interest in it because they'll gradually you'll lose your reasons for being in the first place. In other words, they knock down all your premises, your ideology, step by step by step, until there's nothing left to stand for. And that's a technique they have used. Sunstein is, is, again, way up there in psychology and behaviorism. And they know exactly what they're doing because I've used this for an awful, awful long time. Yeah. Yep. So, so hey, yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, G. Edward Griffin? Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. I haven't really read much of his stuff, though. Hold on. I'll be back after this break, though. Folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and we're talking to Mark from Wisconsin. Continue, Mark. Yeah, yeah G. Edward Griffin, icon of the Patriot Movement, uh, uh, big Federal Reserve uh, against the Federal Reserve. Uh, he just came out with a video, too, What in the World Are They Spraying? Uh, chemtrails. He was also a John Bircher, and he, you know the genesis of the John Birch Society, yeah. right? It's pretty much a conservative front group. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he went to uh, Jekyll Island on a protest some time ago, and he signed a document that they call uh, the Acknowledgement Scroll. Uh Can I read a couple lines of that to you? Sure, go ahead. We carry the sacred trust forward as we face the crisis of this time. Knowing our allegiance to the principles contained therein will be the resolve of our national distress. That's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. We reaffirm our devotion to the love, to the, to, to the love of God and country, the cause of liberty and the brotherhood of man, and our 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 and to our union. Now the brotherhood of man, you recognize that too. Mm-hmm. Here's the last part. We hereby affix our signatures to this document under the all-seeing eye of our Creator, humbly beseeching aid, comfort, illumination, and protection to to fulfill America's destiny for generations yet to come. Mm-hmm. Now that's in your face, Alan. Yeah. That's all Masonic jargon. I, I know quite a few of them who are Masonic. I've listened to them over the years, and uh, you understand their terminology. Even when they get brought on as guests and shows and things, you, you, you can figure out who's who. But you're quite right. And um, 
The problem is, too, is that this is not new. And these guys at the top never wait for something to happen from the grassroots. They make sure that they'll often even give you something, to, like a, a vehicle to get information out from the grassroots. They have to supply them. And even the history, unfortunately, of the Patriot Movement, um, and I read an article from the Toronto Star from years ago, a half page they had on it, on the history of the Patriot Movement in the U.S. when the CIA initially funded uh, the Patriot shortwave radios and uh, using Christian groups as fronts against communism. That was their excuse at the time. Well, when you see what the CIA was involved in, they've been involved in creating this world government for an awful long time. They had other reasons for it, too. It was to make sure they could quell and control any uh, disruptions at home between people who weren't too happy with the way things were going. And I don't think they've completely let go of of a lot of the different angles of uh, any outlet at all for patriotism. I don't either. Um, I, I was I was thinking that the the barrage the the uh, the handle that they've got a hold on the, the information going into society it's just like a tidal wave me trying to fight it with an FM radio station yeah it's incredible yeah. but I also believe that we have more information now to base our decisions on a true on 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 reality now. Uh, that we could we could really go forward and do something. I mean, if, yeah. if we're going to stop this thing, it's, it's got to be now. I mean, uh, here's the key to it too. Most folk, even in the U.S. today, the younger people don't know this, but the reason they, they've had any rights at all is because of their constitution and the Bill of Rights, and that was a, a unique thing in the world. No other country got it before, during, or after the same kind of rights guaranteed. And I remember one case in the U.S. years ago where someone was let go from some serious crime. And, of course, a lot of people were, were angry about it and so on. And, and someone explained, the Constitution says, you know, sometimes you have to let go of a guilty person than put innocent people in prison. That was a right that they had. Don't put innocent people into the prison like they did in Britain and everywhere else. The U.S. has so much going for it, and that's what you're losing as, as your rights. When you have no rights, and you can pretty well see you've lost them, most of them already, People are just quiet and lazy over it. Uh, you're going into an authoritarian society and you can't st- keep waiting and waiting and doing nothing at all. Promise you can't get the funding uh, and you'll be infiltrated. So thanks for calling. From Hamish myself, Frontier Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>